Happy New Year, church. How is everybody starting off with 2023? We off to a good start? We off to a good start? Yeah, yeah, okay, there we go. Uh, I would think so because there's a pretty big game going on tomorrow night, right? Right? All the TCU fans here said amen. Got a national championship. TCU is in the national championship. A great reminder that miracles still happen. I had to say it. Man, I'm all in, though, y'all. I've got the purple shirt on. I've been cheering for him. I'm excited. Uh, it's going to be a great game. I'm sure many of you are eager to watch that tomorrow, and, and we can't wait to cheer him on as well. Uh, you know, I think that's a lot of, of what a New Year brings. It's just anticipation and eagerness. I'm sure many of you are excited for the fresh start to a new year. You kind of often go into New Year's with that sort of eager anticipation. I, I share that. I'm excited for what 2023 can bring. I'm also just excited for this morning uh, and the chance to be back together with you all and to, again, just see what God does when we gather together as a, as a church family and have an opportunity to really uh, pre press into and lean into what it is that he wants for us. And so uh, what I want to do this morning is really kind of allow this to be somewhat of a, a time of introduction to the start of a new year. Uh, so it'll have a little bit of a different feel. Kind of want to give an overview of where I feel like the Lord is leading us and how we're going to approach it. Uh, kind of introduce this new year. We'll get to the passage a little bit later, uh, and, and we're going to kind of have a two-part uh, introduction, I guess, to this, this new year. And we'll get to a little bit of it today, then we'll finish it off next week. But as we do this, I, I want to set the tone, not just for the conversation today, but really for the year as a whole. And, and here's the question. What is God asking of you? And that's the question I want you to be uh, reflecting upon, and, and really not just this morning. Uh, I would say for quite a while. But I want you to ask yourself with great sincerity uh, in a spirit of, of prayer and humility, like what is God asking of you? And I would imagine that when I present that question, uh, many of you would almost have an immediate answer. Like you know what he's asking of you. He's been showing it to you. It's obvious you're in the midst of it. You're, you're trying to pursue it or you're, you're seeing his faithfulness. But, but for some of you, that's a real easy question to answer, but you're maybe right in the middle of trying to, to implement it. Uh, but for others, you might have no clue, right? When you have that question presented to you, what is God asking of you? You may be in a season of true discernment, uh, of curiosity, uh, of uncertainty, of confusion, disillusionment. But regardless of, of how it hits you this morning, whether it's clear or it's unclear, I think all of us need to take that question with great sincerity and bring it before the Lord. It's okay, Lord, what are you asking of me? And, and to really allow that to shape how we start into this next year. But I want us to ask that question not even just through the lens of individualism, but even communally. Right? We wouldn't just stop at asking what is God asking of myself, but also ask, what is he asking of us as a church family, as a community? What is, what is he asking us to do? And, and that's really the thrust of the question for this morning that I think really helps establish the tone for the new year. And, and it really leads us to the theme that I want us to, to be mindful of for this year. And, and it's funny, I was thinking about this because I didn't used to really establish themes for a year. I've been pastoring here for six years now, and as I look back, I don't really remember the first half of my time here really being thematic with our annual approach. I mean, I, I would always try to forecast the year out and have some sermon plans and general ideas of where we were going, but we often had a lot of different things we would cover, whether it was 
key convictions or discipleship or the vision that we were pursuing. There was a lot of different things we covered, but never really with just one thematic anchor for the year. And, and where that changed, I think, really was COVID. Uh, I remember January of 2021 and just all the chaos of that season. I don't know how much y'all remember about that. It wasn't obviously too long ago, but January 2021, we had these peak amounts of, of cases uh, that were a result of people gathering together through the holidays. My dad had just contracted COVID and was in critical condition, and then January 6th, we see uh, the storming of the Capitol, and, and we see this political chaos, and I just remember being in the midst of all of it going, how in the world are we going to get through all this? And, and I remember the Lord kind of laying on my heart in that moment, just fix your eyes on Jesus. And we shifted our whole approach in January. We, we pivoted for what we were going to do. We moved to Hebrews 12, and we just camped out there for almost a month. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And, and I told you all then, right, the image that was in my mind was that image of like a child that's scared because there's this great storm that's going on outside and they're terrified. And so uh, they're, they're easily distracted by the, the thunder or the wind or the sirens and all these things that can be so concerning. And a parent just brings them in close and holds them by the face and says, just look at me. And that's where they find that stability doesn't necessarily mean the storm goes away, doesn't mean the chaos just automatically disappears, but you find your center, you find your anchor. And that to me was so representative of what we needed to do in 2021. There was so much chaos, we just needed to look to Jesus and let that center us. And, and so that idea carried us through the year in a lot of ways. And, and I, I remember finishing 2021 going, I kind of liked having that thematic anchor and wanted to replicate that as we went into 2022, but I wanted it to build on itself, right? Like what happens once I've fixed my eyes on Jesus for a whole year? Like what, what takes place? And the, the inevitable consequence of looking to Jesus with that sort of focus is that he changes us, correct? Like you don't fix your eyes on Jesus and leave unchanged, right? What happens is he renews you. And that's what we've been talking about for the whole past year, 2022, right? We moved to Romans 12 and let that become kind of our anchored text, that we're no longer conformed to the patterns of this world, but we are transformed, we're changed by the renewing of our minds. We looked at Romans 12 and how that renewal that takes place allows our, our lives to be marked by devotion, discernment, and delight. And so we've, we use that. Romans was our guide for much of 2022, and so as we go into 2023, again, I feel this, this pull to have that same sort of theme for a year that can kind of serve as an anchor, but I want it to build upon all, all these things we've talked about. And so when you think about fixing your eyes on Jesus, and that then when you do, he renews you, he changes you, what happens next? Right? Because the reality is, is that the Christian walk Following Jesus is not just this ongoing perpetual state of looking at Jesus and allowing him to renew you, right? He renews you for a reason. And what is that reason? The reason is because he calls us to action, right? And Kevin did a great job last week of even kind of setting this, this theme up. We didn't even really plan that, uh, but he did a great job of speaking to how God calls us to do certain things. And so a special word of thank you to Kevin for allowing me to just come and be in church and not have any responsibilities last Sunday. But, but that idea of recognizing that when I fix my eyes on Christ and he changes me, he renews me, it's for a reason. 
is he's going to ask me to do something. He's going to call me to action. And so that question is pretty important. What is he asking of you? What is he asking of us? And we see this over and over and over again in the scriptures. Right? He calls Noah to build an ark. Right? He calls Abraham to leave his country, leave his family, go to a new land. He calls Joseph to endure imprisonment. Right? He calls Joseph to rule Egypt and to forgive his family. He calls Moses to lead him out of Egypt. He calls the prophets, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Isaiah, to go and speak a word to the people. He calls Jonah to Nineveh. The disciples, he says, come, follow me. Ananias, go and pray over your brother Saul. Over and over and over again, he calls us to action. We see that in the scriptures. I see it in my own life. I'm sure you've seen it in yours. Right? A lot of times it happens in different ways. Sometimes it's very momentary or temporary. It's kind of this, this unique moment where maybe you're prompted by the Spirit of God to, to offer some form of generosity to somebody in need, to invite somebody into your home, go have a conversation with a neighbor. Right? But he asks you to do something. You're called to action. Sometimes it's more significant. Right? It, it's, it's, it's more long-term. It's more of a milestone. Right? He, he asks you and, and leads you into major life decisions like what you're going to do for a living or who you're going to marry or possibly to foster or adopt or go to the nations, right? There, there are these much bigger moments, too, where he calls us to action. But this is no doubt what he does. He calls us to act. Now, here's, here's the inevitability, is that more often than not, when he asks something of us and he calls us to action, it rarely is easy, All right? More often than not, it's difficult. It comes with challenges, it comes with discomfort, it comes with sacrifice. It's not easy. And that's why those questions lead us to this theme that I really want us to gravitate to for this year, is that when we fully begin to weigh and understand and consider what it is that God is asking of us, when we begin to really sense that action that he's prompting us towards, what we have to recognize is that it is oftentimes overwhelming, it's uncomfortable, it's scary. And so God couples that call, he couples that action with a word of encouragement. He says, be strong, be courageous. And it's that word right there, courageous, that I want us to see as somewhat of a theme for us as individuals and as a church as we head into 2023. The reality is, is that when I fix my eyes on Jesus and he renews me, and he changes me, man, that's going to result in someone who lives courageously. And that's what I want 2023 to be about. When you understand what is it that he's asking you to do, man, let's be courageous towards it. When you think about what he's asking us to do as a church, let's be a courageous church. Let's live courageously this year. That's the theme for us. And I really want us to lean into that mindset, that posture, that spirit. Now, let me explain to you a little bit about what that's going to look like in terms of what we're teaching and going through on Sunday mornings. We'll, we'll pursue that in a whole host of ways collectively as a church, but at least in our time together on Sunday morning, let me explain to you kind of what I hope to accomplish. Uh, in terms of what we're going to be studying, we are going to finish Romans. Uh, we're about halfway through, and so one of the reasons that I want to finish Romans is because I don't want to just go halfway. It's an incredible book. It's an incredible theological foundation and, and it deserves to be read in its entirety. 
And so we're going to go uh, with a little bit of a quicker pace, and we're not going to just go right back to it. It's going to be throughout the year. We're going to do it at different points. Uh, but the other reason I wanted to do that is because I think the second half of Romans really speaks very well towards this idea of courage, right? Because when you go through Romans 9, 10, and 11, part of what we're reminded of is God's sovereign plan. And that's pretty important, right? It's important to recognize that there's something much bigger than ourselves. And whatever we are being asked to do is tethered to a much larger purpose, a much larger plan. And that is actually the source, in many respects, of our strength and of our courage. That we are accompanying what God's work is. Right? And so 9, 10, and 11 will help remind us of that. Then you get to chapters 12 through 16, and it provides a really holistic description of really courageous living and what a courageous lifestyle looks like. And so I think Romans is going to be a great place for us to continue this conversation. But we're also, as you've seen, as, as I've developed uh, somewhat of a preaching style and rhythm at this point, I like to break that up. Right? I don't like to just stay in one book throughout the whole year, and so we have additional series that we go to. But my default preaching style is to really tend to find a book of the Bible and just go through it. So that even when we do these additional series, I try to just find a passage of Scripture and let's just walk through it. So like last year, we, we looked at Ruth, and we just read through Ruth some. And we looked at stories of Abraham and Sarah and used that as kind of an anchor. I, I'm, I'm not going to do that this year. Though that is my preference, and it tends to be my, uh, my preferred approach to just pick a passage of Scripture and go through it. Uh, this year, I'm going to be much more topical in some of these series that we're going to use around Romans. And the reason is, is because with this theme of courage, uh, I think we really need to ask ourselves, how do I live courageously as a follower of Jesus in this context? And there are just certain subjects, certain topics, just certain things that we need to, I think, really dive into and consider and so what we'll do is we'll look at this somewhat topically and we'll, we'll borrow from a lot of different passages of scripture to help answer those questions. So throughout the year, uh, we're gonna talk about first and foremost prayer. That's gonna be actually our next series here at the beginning of the year. Uh, what does it mean to pray courageously and all the different ways that we need to foster a courageous prayer life? That's where it begins and that's where it ends, trust me. So we'll put a lot of time and attention into prayer. Uh, throughout the year, we're gonna talk about truth I think in our culture, in our setting, uh, more than anything in an, in an information overload sort of context, it is really important to not only be able to identify and discern truth, but then how do I live it out? How do I share it? Uh, and so we're going to talk, uh, how, do, how do we do that courageously in our context today? We're going to talk a lot about identity. Uh, again, we, we say that kind of stuff a lot within church settings, but we have to because we need to recognize that consistently the world is saying, hey, live this way. Uh, and God is often saying, no, live this way. And so what does our identity look like? How do we live courageously as, as men of God, as women of God? And how do I practice certain virtues that we see in the scripture? Uh, we're going to talk about purity. A lot of times the word purity is assigned to the world of sexuality, but I mean that in a much more holistic way. Like how do I have a pure mind? How do I have pure speech? How do I have a pure love, pure focus, right? And how do I do that? Uh, courageously, and then we'll, we'll kind of move towards the end of the year as we get to that normal rhythm, and we'll talk about courageous mission, courageous purpose, and cast. So there's a lot of things that I'm very eager for us to discuss as a church this year, and, and I want us to have that question in mind as we start this journey together. What is God asking of you? What is he asking of us? And let us listen with open hearts and open minds that we can live courageously. In the anchor text, 
that we're going to have to, to introduce this subject uh, for the rest of this morning and next week is going to come from Joshua 1.9. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Now, uh, one of the things that I want to say uh, before we read this verse together today, because it's just going to be one verse, is that uh, I actually taught on Joshua chapter 1, I think verses 1 through 10 maybe, uh, back in December of 2020. And, and so uh, the reason I reference that is because we're really just going to focus on this one verse for the rest of our time together this morning and then uh, next week. And, and so if you want more details about Joshua and the surrounding verses, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message, maybe on your commute to and from work. Uh, you, could, you could find that on our website. Go back and, and listen to it. It provides some good context for this particular passage. Uh, but I'm not going to go in that much detail in our time together this year. Uh, but I did want you to know that that's available to you if you want it. So we're really just going to focus on one verse. Uh, but before we read it, uh, uh, there's uh, several things that I want to accentuate about the book of Joshua. Some high-level high points that will inform how we talk about it this year. Okay, the first is this. Uh, one of the major themes that you see in the book of Joshua is that this is the book that is focused on Israel's conquest of the land. Okay, and, and so that is incredibly significant because this is the promised land and this is the moment that they're finally going to get it. Right, that they're finally going to see that promise fulfilled. This is the promise that was given to Abraham. Go to a land that I will show you. This is the promise that they had been longing for. This is what Moses was leading them out of Egypt to go and inhabit. Uh, and then they had to wander through the wilderness. So this is a promise that had spanned for generation upon generation. And the moment had finally arrived. And that is the central story of the book of Joshua. Now the reason I bring that up is because it is a good reminder that God has a sovereign plan from beginning to end. And, and sometimes you can wait from generation to generation to see some of those promises fulfilled. Every once in a while you get to be in the midst of that fulfillment. Maybe your generation is the generation that's going to wander. Maybe you're the generation that's going to actually have to leave your home country just like Abraham had to. Who knows where you fall in those chapters of God's great story. But make no mistake, he is writing a great story. And in his plan as I said a moment ago, is a great source for our strength and for our courage. And so in thinking about that, I was trying to bring in that idea of what Joshua achieved into our context today. Right? Because the reality is, is that we're not really sitting around waiting to inherit the promised land. Right? And so when we think about God's great plan from beginning to end, what is our generation waiting for, church? Like, let's, let's think about it for a moment and recognize there is a plan that God has written down. And this fulfilling of the promised land for the people of Israel was, was one chapter to get us closer to Jesus and what God intended to reveal through Jesus. But his plan is not complete. And so for us, in our day, in our era, in our generation, what is it that we need to be waiting for? Just like the people back then were eagerly anticipating and awaiting the inheritance of the land, what do we wait for? And I think the answer is pretty simple, right? When you think about God's sovereign plan, our hearts and our minds should be focused on the undeniable promise of Jesus' return. So let me say it, church. 
Jesus is coming back. He will return. So when you ask yourself, what is God asking of me? What is he asking of us? The answer, in some way, in some capacity, should lead you into a greater understanding and an anticipation of the fulfillment of his return. Right? We're no longer waiting for just some promised land. We're waiting for the promised kingdom. Jesus will return. And we need to anticipate that. We need to know that God has a sovereign plan, and that sovereign plan is a tremendous source of our strength and our courage. Now, the other thing that I want to highlight about the book of Joshua here is that uh, we also see that this is a, a book that really emphasizes Israel's faithfulness. Yes, God's faithfulness as well, because he's now providing the promised land. God is faithful. But when you think about the, the people in Israel that would have first read the book of Joshua, right, who would have looked back on this moment and all that Joshua did, what, what this book did was it served as an example and an encouragement to be faithful. Right? Because what you see here is, is the people of Israel about to go into this journey where they have to have victory after victory over their enemies to receive this promise. And there are examples within the book of Joshua where they weren't necessarily as faithful as they should have been. But by and large, you see a depiction of Israel's faithfulness and the subsequent victories as a result. And so a lot of times people would look back on the book of Joshua and they'd read this as a reminder, man, when we're faithful and we see that God's with us, it leads us to victory. It leads us to this, this prosperity, not materialistically necessarily, but a, but a blessing, a favor, an opportunity to be with the Lord in accordance with his plan. And so the reason I say that to you is because I think the book of Joshua is a really good reminder that God cares very deeply about our obedience and our faithfulness. And a lot of times what can happen in the Christian walk is we can really presume upon God's grace, right? And just be like, well, I can do kind of whatever I want because God's going to forgive me. God's grace is sufficient. And we don't pay as much time and attention to obedience. We don't talk about it as much. But make no mistake, God cares very much about our obedience. He, he cares very much about what happens when we're disobedient and rebellious. So when God asks something of us, when he asks something of you, there's value to being obedient. Right? We need to take that obedience seriously, just as the people of this book have. Right? The third thing that I'll say real quickly uh, is that when you look back on Joshua's life, uh, God had prepared him for this moment. I mean, this is not an insignificant task, is it? I mean, you, hey, guess what, Joshua? You get to follow Moses, right? Um, that's quite the undertaking. And you get to lead the people into battle after battle to inherit this land. But when you go back over Joshua's life, think about all the things that God had done preparing. I have a few references here that I'll, I'll reference for you. Exodus 24 Joshua accompanies Moses to the top of Mount Sinai. He was also one of Moses' attendants whenever Moses went into the tent of meeting. And so he was constantly in that vicinity. He got to stay near the most holy of holies in those moments when Moses was really interacting with God. And, and, and Joshua was really a part of those very deeply spiritual moments. Exodus 33 Excuse me, Exodus 17, Joshua was placed in the charge of the Israelite forces in the battle with the Amalekites. Amalekites. Numbers 13, he participates in the reconnaissance of the land that they're about to inherit. 
there are numerous instances where you can see that God was preparing Joshua militarily, emotionally, mentally, and for sure spiritually for what was about to happen. Right? And so I, I say that to you because when you ask yourself, all right, what is God asking of me? What is he asking of us? Uh, recognize that God has likely prepared you for what lies ahead. And so perhaps we need to look back in order to look forward. And not just look back on the past year, but, but look back on our lives and all these moments where we've seen God's hand and we've seen him do things and orchestrate things and move in our lives. What has he prepared you for? How has he uniquely prepared you for what he might be asking you to do on the horizon? But make no mistake, he has prepared you. Right? There are moments in our lives that give us clues and and allow us to anticipate and see what might be lying ahead. So bring all those moments to the Lord in prayerful submission as you say, all right, Lord, what are you asking of me? What are you asking of us? And, and part of what we'll see as we go through all those steps, right, we understand that he has a, a sovereign plan. We understand that our obedience and faithfulness matters. And we understand uh, that he's prepared us. Then, then all of a sudden when we get that clarity, I want Joshua 1.9 to really become the theme for this year. Let's read it together. It says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Here's how we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to break this down into two parts. For the rest of our time together this morning, just briefly, we're going to look just at the first part of that verse. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And then next week, uh, we'll unpack the rest of that verse. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Uh, and, and so we're going we're gonna to just focus in on that, that first section. And you see that opening phrase, have I not commanded you? And, and I don't know, maybe I'm alone in this. Maybe uh, this resonates with some of you. But for the longest time, whenever I thought about Joshua 1.9, I always read that as if God had commanded us to be strong and courageous. Right, as if it, there was like a comma, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Like that's how I often read it. But the more I reflected on it and studied it this past week, the more I really see that that statement, have I not commanded you, is, is kind of the reason for our strength and our courage. Like it's causal, right? That because I've commanded you, you can be strong and courageous. You see, if you think about what's happening here in chapter one, the command is go and inhabit the land. Like, that's what I'm commanding you to do. I've given you my law. I've told you how to live. Now, now go and do it. And, and that's really the command. And, and so the result of understanding that command is one that gives us that disposition of strength and courage. And, and so the reason I find that pretty significant for us this morning is because that needs to remind us that our strength and our courage comes from God's authority, Right, that it comes from understanding God's plan, that God's the one that has spoken, right? And his voice needs to carry a different weight than any other voice in our lives. Right? It's like when, a, when you're a kid and, and you kind of try to get away with certain things. And I remember getting in trouble numerous times and early on in my life, you know, one of my excuses would be, well, but my friend said, you know, or Johnny said there, Blake said this. And then your parents look at you like, I don't care what they said. I'm telling you, Right? And, and that just carries a different weight. And, and that's part of what I hear 
being emphasized here. Have not I commanded you? This is God speaking. This idea to go and take the land, this is not Joshua's idea. This is not Moses' idea. This isn't anyone else's idea. This is God's idea. And because God has spoken, because it's his plan, because it's his command, and that should carry a very different weight in our hearts and our souls and our minds. When he speaks, church, we need to hear it with that authority. We need to hear it with that reverence. His voice shouldn't be like any other voice in our lives. God has spoken. He has commanded. And when he speaks, and we talked about this earlier, I referenced it a second ago, uh, when he calls us to action, it, more often than not, is going to be something fairly difficult, something that is not necessarily going to be easy. And so what do, we, what do we have to do when we hear that? Well, we've got to find this encouragement that he offers Joshua here, be strong and courageous. So I want to really kind of understand those terms quickly here. Uh, the, the idea of strength and courage in many ways are synonymous, right? I mean, they, they carry a lot of the same meaning. There's a little bit of a nuance with courage that's slightly different with strength that I'll get to here in just a second. But when you think about what it means to be strong, uh, there, were, there were kind of three different components to the definition of this term. One is, is to accomplish what is intended. Uh, another way that this term is used, especially in this context, is strength in battle. Uh, and then the third is this idea of having resolve. And <clears throat> you think about those three different types of definitions, they all fit uh, to the situation and, and context for Israel at this point in time, right? To accomplish what was intended. There, there's an element here when, when God says, hey, be strong, what he's saying is, is that you're going to accomplish this, right? Like, you're going to inhabit the land, strength in battle. To go and inhabit the land meant they were going to have to go to war. There were going to be battles along the way. So you're going to have to have strength in engaging in that. And so take that in, though, for a moment. Like, God had called them to war. That's an overwhelming, terrifying reality. And, and they recognized, like, not all of us are going to make it. All right, this could cost me my life, right? Like, that's, that's what he's asked them to do. And so he's saying, but you're going to have strength in those battles. And, and so for you to respond to the thing that, that God is asking you, it's going to take resolve. You're going to have to respond to this with earnestness, with conviction. And so it fits for them, and it absolutely fits for us. When you think about what God is asking of you, when we think about what God is asking of us, uh, let us think about that with the mindset that says God's going to accomplish what was intended, right? Like, let's not respond with indifference and with apathy, right? Let's, let's actually respond to that question with the belief and a conviction and an understanding that these things that God intends in our lives or in the life of this church, he's going to accomplish it, right? You think about even just... Um, our church, right? You think about the goals that we've had, 2, 20, and 200, right? Well, 2 was referencing having two groups uh, started in renewal. 20 was to find 20 folks that could advocate for foster care and adoption, and 200 was 200 baptisms. We can look at that, and I can tell you very confidently, when I think about the 2 and the 20, God's accomplished it. And we, we've seen two commencement classes for our renewal group this past year of two different groups. That thing, that ministry is still ongoing and the groups are just continuing to grow. You think about the adoption aspect of it and the foster care. We've had so many people rally up and say, hey, I want to do this. I want to provide this. Now, we need to give structure. We need to continue to mature it. But we have seen God accomplish what was intended in the life of our church with those goals. Now, 200, we haven't hit it. 
And so what happens when you're not yet hitting a goal is that that's when you kind of like to push it to the side or maybe alter it or change it and you think, well, maybe there's a different intent. And I don't want us to lose that, right? Strength to say, no, God's going to accomplish what he intended. Let us move into this year anticipating and expecting 200 baptisms. Amen? Do you believe it? Right? Here's, let, let's just be honest, because here's what happens this time of year. We make goals, don't we? Right? We come up with our little resolutions, we write them out, put them on paper, put them up somewhere, put them on our phone, whatever. And we're good for about a month. Right? Then people check in on us in February and March, and we're like, ah, didn't quite do it. Based on this terminology, you know what that is? That's weak. There's really no other way to say it. It's weak. Strength accomplishes what is intended. Let's be strong. Whatever God has asked of you, be strong. Accomplish what is intended. Whatever God asks of us, I want to be a strong church. I don't want to be a weak church. Amen? That's what it means. Right now, here's the reality that comes with it. Strength in battle. Right? It's not going to be easy. And so when you think about maybe what God is asking of you and you put it, this definition with it, I would imagine that for many of us, we're going to respond with both external and or internal battles. Right? So like externally, it could be that what God is asking of you is to really go make a difference somewhere. Maybe he's asking you to go overseas. Maybe he's asking you to consider foster care and you're going to make a difference and fight for broken families and breaking cycles. Maybe he's asking you to uh, combat poverty or human trafficking. Like there are these external battles that you can feel God is preparing you for. He's giving you strength for it. For others, it might be more internal, right? That there's an internal struggle. That 2023 is going to be the year where he absolutely gets you to confront the sin that has been holding you back, right? That it's going to be the year where you have to fight whatever that addiction is, whatever that loneliness is, that depression, that, that greed, that pride, that resentment, whatever it is. You're going to be strong in that battle, both externally and internally, right? And then you have that third component, which is resolve, that if we're actually going to do those things, if we're going to accomplish what's intended, if we're going to actually find victory in these battles, if we're going to have those sort of external and internal conflicts, then we need to be able to do this with tremendous conviction and earnestness, right? We got to believe it. We got to have that resolve. We want to be strong. Now, here's the last component, right, which is courage. The, the different nuance with courage uh, is it essentially reiterates all those different elements, but then with, with a hint towards victory, right? And I love that added component, right? That that to encourage someone, to provide courage, is essentially to say, hey, this is going to lead to victory, right? So what we're talking about, really, when we think about everything that we've covered and introduced today, part of what we're talking about is, like, we, we want to live the victorious life. We want to find victory in our prayer life, right? We, we want to live with victorious truth, a victorious identity, a victorious purity, Victorious mission, right? And, and I want us to experience that and think through how powerful that is, y'all, because there's nothing like the thrill of victory, is there? Right? There's nothing like the joy that comes with victory. There's nothing like it. Amen? All the TCU people better say amen to that one. 
right? Because you're one victory, and you've had it. But we, we understand that. There's some truth to that. Man, that's what God's called us to, victorious living. Now, sometimes our view of victory is drastically different than God's, right? And that's the hard part. But make no mistake, when it's tied to his plan and his purposes and not our own, it leads to victory. So this is what I want for us as we head into this year. Has God not spoken? Right? He has a plan from beginning to end. Our faithfulness and our obedience matters. And he's prepared us for these moments to answer that question, to get that clarity, and to know what he's asking of you. And when you get that clarity to respond, knowing that he carries that authority in your life, to be able to respond and say, okay, I'm going to accomplish what's been intended. I'm going to have that strength in this battle. I want to have that resolve. I want to lean in towards that sort of victorious living. Let's live courageously, church. I'll close with this. This is how we do it. It's, this is the most important part. It's to never forget how that victory, how that strength, and how that courage is possible. Right? Because the greatest mistake you can make going into 2023 and any sort of rally cry towards strength and courage is to think it's going to be dependent upon you. Right? Your, your intellect, your abilities, your giftings, your resources, anything like that. That's the greatest mistake we can make. The only way we find strength and we find courage is in Christ and Christ alone. And so I want to connect it for us just briefly as we continue in worship to be reminded, right, of what's next in this plan. That what we are waiting for, and when we're asking, God, what, what are you asking of me? What are you asking of us? In some ways needs to be connected to the anticipation of that rider on a great white horse whose name is faithful and true. Because when he comes back, church, he comes back and his eyes are like blazing fire and he comes with the armies of heaven and his name is written on his thigh and it says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And it is through him and him alone that we find our strength and we find our courage. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and we are so grateful for a gospel that calls us to strength, that calls us to live courageously. So Father, may we come before you now, once again asking with open hearts, Lord, speak to us, reveal what it is that you're asking of us, that we would respond faithfully, God, that we would respond with strength and courage, and that you would lead us individually, that you would lead us as a church, and that we would be able to demonstrate once again, that we are able to pursue these things not by our own merit, not by our own abilities, not by our own works, but by grace and faith alone. Ultimately, God, by making our lives built upon the rock that is Christ and to once again declare the power of the resurrection, the power of the cross, the power of the empty tomb, the power of your great return. May that be the cry of our hearts as we seek to live courageously in Christ and in Christ alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.